Thank you so much for the privilege to be with you today. And uh, uh, Pastor Malcolm and I, we go back a long way in our friendship and our working together in ministry. And we've been doing lots and lots of ministry together for years. Uh, I had the privilege of being the uh, senior pastor for 34 years at, at Decatur Baptist. And uh, we retired in January and now we're doing uh, mission work and, and uh doing all kinds of things, just having a great, great time. Now today, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 23. Uh, I don't have an outline because I haven't studied. (laughs) You know, it's hard for a Baptist preacher to preach without an outline. Uh, The sermon I'm going to preach today, I have been preparing for about 35 years. Uh, When we moved here uh, and became pastors at Decatur Baptist, we'd only been here a few months, and uh, one of the saints in the church, her mom died, in Hamilton, Alabama. Still remember driving there. Didn't know the place existed, but uh, drove over there, Hamilton, and the pastor of First Baptist Church, Hamilton, preached on the 23rd Psalm. I sat there with, I'd never heard some of the things that he shared. At the end of the sermon, I asked him, would, would it be appropriate if I borrowed some of the things that I heard him say? And he said, yes, sir. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have enough sense to say to him, can you give me the references so I can follow with it? But uh, I have spent uh, many, many years, I've been to the Holy Land several times verifying some of the things that you're going to hear today. And so, uh, I don't know about you, but most of us here can probably remember the first time we were introduced to the 23rd Psalm. I grew up in a home where moonshine was as common in my daddy's house as what Coca-Cola is in mine. Okay? Uh, You opened the refrigerator and you would see a Coca-Cola, but you would also see Budweiser beer. And it was always stocked well. You open a certain cabinet and you'd find all kinds of Jack Daniels and, and old turkey and cold turkey and all kinds of turkey and, and uh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I don't know how you grew up, but that's how I grew up, okay? But when I was in grade school for a play in our school, pagan, lost, I mean lost as bad as a, a, a golf ball in high weeds, but I memorized the 23rd Psalm. Now, I don't know when you were introduced to it, but that's when I was introduced. Had no idea what it meant. And the truth is, some of you sitting here today are going to learn for the very first time in your life what that psalm really means. Now, the 23rd Psalm is laying out for us, God using David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's laying out for us what the Christian life is all about. He's going to lay out for us, taking us literally, literally taking us right up to the new heaven and the new earth. He's going to tell us what life, Christian life is about today. He's going to tell us what it's all about tomorrow. And he's going to tell us what it's going to be like into eternity. Okay, 
It'll be something, and like I said, I've been preparing this sermon for 35 years, okay? I want you to get three images in your head before we turn to the text. I want you to see a tent. David was a shepherd, right? Right? He was a Bedouin. Now, they lived in tents. This is what David lived in, okay? Now, to be honest with you, that's probably a whole lot better looking tent than what we see today. But if you've ever been to the Holy Land, they still have them. They just don't look that good, okay? I think that was somebody that just took a really good picture. But get the idea. And the reason he lived in a tent was because he was constantly moving. As the sheep would eat the grass, they would move somewhere else, and he was constantly moving the tent. Now, I want you to see a rod and a staff. Now, the rod was used for protection. Now, I don't know about the Bible said you spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, my dad didn't use a rod, thank God, but he used a belt. How many of you remember raising like that? But now that rod was for protection. That shepherd could beat the dog out of a wolf or a, a coyote or, a, you know, a, an animal trying to, to, to hurt the flock, and he could use that rod. But what was the staff for? The staff was for the sheep. Now, you know, sheep are dumb, okay? Are you, how many of you are aware that sheep are dumb? Okay. How many of you are aware that he called us sheep? <laughs> right? So... He, he said we're dumb, right? But the staff was to be used for the sheep. You know, the sheep can do some really dumb stuff. And, and can't we be honest with you? How many of you have ever done something really just downright dumb? But thank God that he took the staff with a, with a little hook on it and got down and got us out of the mess we're in, hooked us and brought us back where we needed to be, Right? Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Thank God he has left the 99 and come and taken care of Doug. And thank God he's left the 99 and come and taken care of you. Amen. Now, I want you to see the next picture. And this doesn't do it. I, I went out on the internet, but this doesn't do it near justice. But I want you to envision. Now, I grew up in the Smoky Mountains. That's where you guys go on vacation. And you buy all of those souvenirs made by the hillbillies in Taiwan. (laughs) But I grew up in the mountains of, of East Tennessee, in the Smoky Mountains. And I want you to envision going through a, a path, a valley that has the giant rock walls, very, very high. And they're so high that the path that you're on, the, 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 that you're walking through is now in darkness. Have you ever, have you ever gone into a, uh, you know, come out of the sunlight and walked into something like that and all of a sudden your eyes have to adjust because it's dark in there, because it's so high the sunlight hasn't gotten in? You ever been there? Envision that, okay? Can you get that vision in your mind? Now this helps a little bit, but it's just much, much, much higher than that. Okay, if you've got it, say, I got it. All right, now turn to Psalm 23. Here we go. We begin with David saying, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, God, is my what? Now, wait a minute. David is going to now, what what is David? 
He's a what? Shepherd. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, God takes care of me like I take care of sheep. And the Lord is what? Whose shepherd? Mine. Personal. Personal. He is my shepherd. And then look what he says. I shall what? Not want. Guys, I'm going to tell you, that's an incredible statement there. You could preach for hours just on the fact that God is everything that we need. Do you, do you realize that anything and everything that I need and you need from God is available to us? I shall not what? Want everything I need because he is a great shepherd. In the Old Testament, when, when he is defining himself and he said to the prophet, tell him that I am has sent me, has, 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 has sent you. Tell him I am. Now, what does that, what in the world does that mean? He says, I am. I am what? I am whatever you need. That's what he's saying. And David is saying, as I have cared for sheep all of these years, let me tell you something. My Jehovah God, my Yahweh God, my shepherd takes care of me. And now he's going to lay out the Christian life. Let's watch it together. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What David is saying here is that when we let God become our shepherd, that he puts us in green pastures, not dead pastures, not dry pastures, not, not pastures that have been burned up with the sun, but green pastures. He, he, he gives to his kids the very best. Do you realize that in your life? Do you realize as a Christian, you may not like everything that comes your way, but I promise you it is the best for you. And David is saying he gives us the best. And so he says here, he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, let's go back to he leadeth me. Now, I'm a country boy. I grew up on a farm and, and, I, and I'm a country boy. I ride horses still today. And uh, you, you know what you do with cattle? You drive cattle. Isn't that right? How many of you have ever driven cattle? I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to learn to cuss, just raise cows. <laughs> They'll teach you to cuss. But I mean, they're crazy. Aren't they crazy? And you've got to drive them and you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to herd them in and drive them. But that's not what you do with sheep. Sheep are led. They're led by shepherd. One of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen in my life and I've seen this in foreign countries where you find the sheep and shepherds. You'll have all of these sheep. Man, they're everywhere. You think, good night, chaos, chaos. But the shepherd, you don't know what sheep belongs to who, but the shepherd begins to speak. And when he begins to speak and he begins to walk away, all of a sudden, in this chaotic sea of sheep, you see sheep beginning to follow that shepherd. That's what Jesus meant when he said, my sheep, they hear my voice and they know me. 
They know me. He said, let me tell you, I don't drive you like a cowboy and I don't treat you like a cow. I don't herd you in, but I lead you. I lead you. Do you know the Bible tells us that God can lead us one of two ways? He can guide us by the eye. Now, I had a daddy that, and I'm thankful for him. He's in heaven today. But I had a daddy that could guide us with his eyes. Now, let me explain what I meant by that. Daddy would say to us when we were to go to somebody's house, you know, he would say, we're going to go in. You will be seated and you will sit there until I give you permission to get up. And so we would go in and we would sit there. And if the kids of the house or the family of the house would come in and say, do you want to go play? We would look over at my dad. And if dad went, we could go play. But if we jumped up or we got out of line or we were sitting there together and one brother hit the other brother and dad turned those eyes, it was a bad day. Amen. And he said, I can guide you with my eyes or I can put a bit in your mouth. Now I ride horses and we put the bridle on and we've got a bit in their mouth. And when we want them to stop, we pull back, we put pressure on them. We want them to turn, we turn and that bit puts pressure. That bit can be very painful. And God says, let me tell you right now, I want to lead you and I will lead you. Just hear my voice. Follow my voices. Watch my eye. Let me guide you with my eye. But if you want to be stubborn, I can put a bit in your mouth. Do you know, I see Christians today, Dustin, with bits in their mouth. And you say, man, we're just going through a hard, hard time. You're going through a hard, hard time because you're stubborn. You're going through a hard, hard time because rather than letting him lead you with his eyes, he's got to put a bit in your mouth. Well, I know I'm not doing right, but whoa, 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 whoa. Those butts can get you in trouble. And he leadeth me beside what kind of waters? Still water. You know, sheep won't drink from running water. You say, well, I've got a herd of sheep and we've got a creek that runs right through the house and they'll all right by the back of the house and they'll all die of thirst. Unless that water puddles, unless that water is calm, unless that water is still, that sheep won't ever drink from it. And he said, I want you to know that when you follow the Jehovah God, the Yahweh God, the greatest shepherd of all shepherds, when you follow him, he will not only put you in green pastures, he will not only lead you, and all you have to do is follow, follow his voice, watch his eye, but he'll make sure you're at the still waters. Oh, there may be a storm coming in your life, but the water's still. Drink from it. Are you following with me now? Let me tell you, that, what he's saying is, he said, I want you to understand the Christian life. 
The Christian life is one that when we give our heart and life to him, he takes over and he leads us and he directs us. And by the way, where he leads us is always the best place to go. How many of you like taking shortcuts? I got to admit, that's my Achilles heel. I mean, that's my sin which does so easily beset me. You know, man, I can get there a little quicker if I take this. You ever done that? You take these shortcuts and all of a sudden it just messes everything up. Have you ever, you ever tried to save time and it cost you 30 minutes? Talk to me now. See, in the Christian life, we, we, listen, not everything is good. Do you think down through these years that my wife and I have not had our share of heartache? We've been to the graveside. We've, we, we, we know what death is. We've lost a child and, and we know what that is. I mean, we know the pain of life. I mean, we just, we, we know the pain of life. But what we've learned is, is the safest place you can ever be. The happiest place you'll ever be, the most content place you'll ever be is when you say to the Lord Jesus Christ, you lead, I'll follow. Just trust him. Just trust him. And so he says, let's look at it together. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And then he says, watch this. He restoreth my soul. (laughs) You know what that is? He renews me. Every day he renews me. Do you know the Bible said, the prophet said, that there's new mercies every morning? I'm going to be honest with you down through these years. There's been a many a night I went to bed early, Brother Dustin, so I could wake up the next morning with a new mercy. There's new mercies every morning. How many of you have ever so failed the Lord? I mean, just, just absolutely failed him. And you've thought, oh, God, give me another day and a new start and a fresh start and new mercies. He restoreth my soul. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian, only a perfect Savior. Amen. How many of you know the pain of failure? How many of you know what it means to, to want that new mercies that next day? He restoreth my soul. Now, watch what he goes on to say. And he leadeth me in paths of what? For his namesake. Let me tell you something. God will never lead you to do wrong. Only to do right. Now, as a pastor, I've heard people say, well, uh, Brother Doug, God has told me I ought to do such. Listen, God will never tell you to do anything that violates this book. He leads us in what? Paths of righteousness for whose sake? His sake. Now, if, if, if we're following where he's leading, trust me, guys, trust me, that's where you want to walk. Now, watch what he goes on to say. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then watch verse 4. Now, let me, before I get into verse 4, do you see how in the first three verses he has laid out what the Christian life is all about. Do you see that? Now, how many of you could testify with me today that if you receive Christ as your personal Savior, he's going to take care of you. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. He's going to love you. And by the way, he will chasten you when you need to be chastened. How many of you have ever been chastened by the Lord? 
You know what he says in Hebrews 12? He says, for as many as I love, I chasten. Do you know when God chastens us, it's not because he hates us, not because he doesn't like us. It's because he loves us. But now the next verse, the next verse says, but if ye be without chastisement, for of all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That's Hebrews 12, 8. I told somebody one time, I said, the reason I still use the King James Bible, because I like to cuss every now and then. (laughs) You'll get it in a minute. Some of you facts checking me. (laughs) Did he use that B word? I did. (laughs) Do you know what that means? That means you're illegitimate. That means you're not the real thing. Let me tell you how I know I'm saved. One of the greatest ways I know I'm saved. I can't get away with sin. I can't, I tell you what, I can't get away with it. I'm telling you what, when I sin, God takes me to the woodshed, pulls my britches down, and tears my backside up. How about you? I mean, when I sin, it's just like a Mack truck runs right over me. He said, well, I can do it, and it doesn't bother me. Then you're an illegitimate child. You know, when I got saved, sin quit being good. Now, before I got saved, let me tell you, sin was pretty good. Amen? Now, my daddy didn't tell me the birds and bees. My mama did. That was the funniest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Now, why in the world she thought she needed to tell me about the birds and bees? And if I can just say this, and I won't say much, my mama didn't do a good job. My mama told me, if you do this, it'll be horrible. And if you do that, you'll be, it'll be horrible. And if you do this, it'll be oh, terrible. And it's, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I did it. And my mama was wrong. <laughs> I don't know what my mama did with the birds and bees, but it, my mama was wrong. <laughs> but I can tell you this. When Jesus became my Savior, Mama became right. All that which used to bring pleasure now brought pain. All of that which used to bring superficial satisfaction brought dissatisfaction. Are you with me? See, the chastening of the Lord. How do I know I'm saved? Because I can't get away with sin. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. So you see how the first three verses, how he lays out the entire Christian life. Do you see that with me? Now we're going to go into the end of the Christian life. Are you ready for it? Now watch what he says, verse number four. And yea, I don't think the yea right here means you, I, <laughs> yay. But look what he says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, here's what that literally means. Every one of us are going to die unless the rapture comes first. 
I'm going to die. You're going to die. All of us have known we were going to die ever since we've been big enough to understand. Somebody say amen right there. And he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, here's what the Christian has. When we come to the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't get us. We go through it. We go through it. That's why Paul said, oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where's thy victory? The Christian doesn't, it doesn't, life doesn't end for them as we know life at the death in the valley. But we get through the valley. Are you with me? We go through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now remember, David, up until this very point, has been giving us literally visual examples. Isn't that right? Could you see the green grass? Could you see the still waters? Could you see the path? Could could you see it? Well, let me tell you, when he takes us to the valley of the shadow of death, there in Palestine is a literal valley called the valley of the shadow of death. Shepherds go through that valley two times a year. Now, remember, I showed you how in the very beginning the shepherd lived in tents and they would move with it when, when the grasses would be eaten down, they would move to better grasses. Well, twice a year they went through the valley of the shadow of death and it was a valley that they had to go through because in the lowland where the climate and the weather would be a little bit different, the grasses would be greener and then at another time of the year up in the higher elevation, the grasses would be green. But to get there, they went through a literal valley of the shadow of death. And in that dark High wall, as you saw in that picture, get it in your mind again. Those high walls, because there's no light coming in, robbers would be there. Wild animals would be there. Shepherds would be hurt or killed. Sheep would be stolen and destroyed. And every shepherd dreaded, man, he dreaded knowing that he had to go through that thing twice a year. He would go up into the higher grasses and he would go back down to the lower grasses. But he had to go through the valley. And David said, when I go through that valley, I want you to know because the Lord is my shepherd, when I go through that valley, I'm not afraid. Not because I'm David. But because the Lord goes through it with me. He goes through it with me. And with thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Listen to me. Listen to me. In the Christian life, from the moment we get saved, we're filled with the Spirit of God. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, Hebrews 13 says. He will take care of us. He is the great shepherd. And when we come to the day of death, when death comes, when we go through that valley of the shadow of death, we don't go through it alone. Now, I want you to know something. Before I got saved, I was scared to death of dying. Anybody else like that? I mean, I was afraid to die. I know this sounds crazy. I was a senior in high school when I got saved. 
But there's a many a night I went to sleep with my light on. Not because I was afraid of the dark. But I was so afraid that I would go to sleep and wake up in hell. Now, I told you about the moonshine and Jack Daniels in my daddy's house. We had a Catholic Bible on the coffee table. Now, it was the family safe. We didn't have one on the wall with a combination. It was in that. You say, well, why would you put all those important papers in the fight? Because nobody opened it. I remember as a kid, we'd be watching TV, and if you happen to put your foot up on the coffee table and touch that Bible, my dad walk over and just slap a dog. You don't ever put your foot on the Bible. Now, we never read it. Didn't have anything to do with it, but we sure didn't desecrate it. Are you with me? I knew nothing about these things. But I did believe there was a heaven. I did believe there was a hell. I believed there was a God. I believed he had a son, but I didn't know how any of that worked together. But I knew the life I lived would not take me to the place called heaven, but to the place called hell. Are you with me? And I'm going to tell you right now, I was afraid of dying. And if you're here today, listen to me close. If you're here today and you're not certain of heaven, you ought to be scared to death of the valley of death. Because I'm going to tell you, on the other end of it, it's hell for you. Going through it is going to be part of what hell is going to be like for you. But if you're a child of God, you don't have to be afraid of it. I got saved 17 years old, senior in high school. Got saved on January 1, 1970. I was drunk the night before on New Year's Eve. Went to my brother's house the next day, and he told me the story of Jesus. I'd never heard it in my life. Now, I believed in it. Are, are you with me? I believed in God, and, 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 but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know the story. I didn't know what he had done. I mean, I still remember when my brother told me about how Jesus died on the cross for my sins so I could be forgiven of my sins and one day go to heaven. I still remember Dustin thinking, what a deal. I mean, what a deal. I, I, can, I get a new start, a new beginning. Oh, I was scared of it. But the night I got saved, January 1, 1970, I'll never forget that night when I laid my head on my pillow. For the first time in my life, I was not afraid to die. You know why? Because I don't go through the valley alone. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, whoa. We've gotten through the valley of the shadow of death. You say, what do we do with the rest of it? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's where we're going now. Are you ready? How many are you? If you're still with me, say, I'm with you. Okay, here we go. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Now, you stop right there. And if you noticed in your scripture, it stops right there. How many of you noticed it stops right there? Because he's got a thought right here and he's going to stop it. So let me, let me share with you. <clears throat> thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. Let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Did he say he's prepared something for us at the end of the valley of the shadow of death? Well, sure he did. 
Paul said, I have not seen, ears not heard, neither did it enter into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those of us that love him. Amen? Did Jesus not say in the book of John, I go and what? Prepare, right? Does he have a place prepared for us? That's pretty neat, isn't it? And you know what he's done? He's prepared that place for us in the presence of our enemies. Do you think the devil has for one moment stood back and watched all of this stuff happen without a challenge and a fight? Huh? But let me ask you something. Who has won that battle? It wasn't me. It wasn't you. He has won it. At the end of the valley of the shadow of death, he has prepared for us. But here's the one that really got me for a while to try to figure. Thou anointest my head with oil. Now, if you study the scripture, you find they anointed the priest. And when he was anointed, he had a position and he had a service. And then they anointed the king and he had a position and he had a service. And I got to thinking, thou anointest my head with oil. Now, at the end of this, here's what he's prepared for me. Even in the presence of my enemies, it's prepared for me. I'm going to get it. The, de- the, the devil and the enemy cannot stop it. Amen. But now he's anointed my head with oil. Whoa. I thought when we get to heaven, we all just play harp. Whoa. Is there something? Then I begin to learn my Bible. Wow, there is something. Because I am in Christ a priest and a king. And see, when I die and you die, if we died today, we're going to go to heaven. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. But do you know that heaven is temporary? Did you know it's temporary? You're not going to stay there. You're not going to stay there. It's temporary. And when you get there, one of the big things that's going to happen there is the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ is the judgment of Christians. And you know what we're going to be judged for? How we've served. How we've served on this earth. How we've, how we've lived. How we've taken what he's given to us and all of our forgiveness and, and the joy of being a child of God. We're going to answer at the judgment seat. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Are you with me? And then the Bible says that we're going to come back with him. And we're going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. Are you with me? That's why we need to be anointed. We still have a job to do. And we'll rule and we'll reign with him on this earth. And when that thousand years is up, he's going to defeat the enemy. Sin will be taken care of. It will never, ever, ever again be something that God has to deal with. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. And you know what, guys? We're not going to stay in the temporary heaven. We're going to a new heaven and a new earth. And there forever we will be with him. And we will reign as priests. And we will reign as kings. Are you with me? Thou anointest my head 
with oil. Oh, listen, what he has prepared for the child of God is just absolutely incredible. By the way, listen to me now. You find this in the book of Revelation. Now, I know when we preach funerals, I I know, I've done it too, so please understand. We preach funerals and we say, Aunt Lucy, and I hope there's nobody here with an Aunt Lucy, okay? But Aunt Lucy's in heaven now and there'll be no more tears. And No, 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 no. The no more tears is in the new heaven and the new earth. See, in the place that I'm going to go if I die today and you're going to go and you die today that's called heaven, At the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be a lot of tears. Let me tell you, Doug Ripley is going to cry some crocodile tears at that. And you know what I'm going to be crying about, Brother Dustin? When I failed him. When I failed him. You know what I look forward to in heaven more than anything else? Is that there, I will never, ever, ever fail him. Again, I will never let him down. I will never, ever again break a promise. I will never, ever again not listen to the still small voice. But I will never, ever fail him again. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Are you ready to close it? You ready to close? I am. I'm ready to close. Look at it. Let's go now. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So watch me now. Now remember, David is everything David's done thus far under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he has painted us a picture that we can all see because it's related to real life. Amen? Amen? Now, if you look at that tent, and this is not a good one, but I tried to look at other ones and I thought, but if you look at that tent, what they had as a nomad living in the tent, the main entrance would just be a small entranceway, but in the main entrance, there would be an animal skin. And if somebody, and and this this is, this is, this is true of the Bible times. If somebody came They didn't do like we do today. Now, if I came to your house, I'd punch a doorbell if it works, right? If it doesn't work, I'd knock on the door, right? Right? And what am I doing? I'm letting you know that I'm here. You've got company. Well, in in this Bedouin society, someone would stand outside and they would voice, they would make a, a, a voice. I don't know what they would say is, hey, or call out a name, but they would give a voice. And the person inside would pull back the animal skin. Now watch me, watch me. Oh, listen, oh, oh this, is, this is incredible. He would pull back the animal skin. And we're in our culture, if I came to the door... And, and, and it was Dustin. I'd say, hey, Dustin, how you doing? He'd say, Duck, I'm good. What? Hey, well, come on in, right? But in that culture, they pull that skin back, and the person inside that tent would not say a word. Not one word would be spoken. They didn't say, hey, how you doing? What's up? I, no, no, no. Not one word would be spoken. And in every one of those tents, there would be a big old, like a bottle. It'd be made out of animal skin. 
that would always have fresh goat's milk in it. And he'd reach over and he'd take out of that bottle made out of animal skins, he would take that goat's milk off of the wall and he would take a cup and he would hand it to the person. Now remember, not one word has been spoken, not one word. And he would hand that cup to the person that was standing in the doorway of the tent. And he would take that goat's milk and he would begin to pour it into that cup. If he poured just a little bit in the cup, he was saying to the guest, I'm glad you're here. But I wasn't expecting you. We will visit for just a little while and then you must go. And I must be on with my business. If he took that goat's milk... And he poured it into that cup, and he filled that cup to the top. He was saying to the guest, I'm glad you're here. Let's spend the day together. I'll stop everything I'm doing, and we'll spend this day together. But if he took that goat's milk, and he took that cup, and he began to pour into that that cup, and when it got full, He just kept pouring, and that goat's milk would go over his fingers and start running down his arm and off of his elbow. He was saying to his guest, I've been expecting you. I'm glad you're here. My house is your house. All I have belongs to you, and you will dwell in here with me forever and ever and ever. Listen to me, folks. That child of God who has enjoyed the great shepherd all of those years while living goes through that valley of the shadow of death and those creatures that are there, the demons that are there, the enemy that's there can't touch him. And he gets on the other side and all that God has for him. And then as we go to this, he takes us back. He literally takes us back and says, now I've showed you what I have for you at the end of the valley of shadow of death. But I want to show you something special that's going to happen to you right there as well. I'm going to hand you a cup. And I'll begin to pour. And I'm not going to pour just a little bit and say, I wasn't expecting you. Glad you're here. Stay a little while, but then you need to go. I need to get about my business. I'm not going to pour it full and say, boy, I'm glad you're here. Spend the day with me, and then you can go. No, 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 no. When I pour it, I'm going to pour it completely full. And it's going to run over your fingers, and it's going to run down off of your elbow. Because, child, listen to me, you are home. I have been expecting you and your home forever and ever. That's the 23rd Psalm. Now, I don't know anybody in their right mind that would not want what I just explained to you. Amen? Well, Brother Ripley, I don't know if I could live the Christian life. I just told you how you live it. 
is not through you. It's through him. Well, I don't know if I understand all that. You don't have to understand it. Just enjoy it. I don't. How many of you understand electricity? I'm scared to death of it. But I enjoy it. Don't you? Don't you? And you know, I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass and gives white milk. But I enjoy it, don't you? How many of us don't understand a lot of things in life, but we enjoy it? You know, I don't understand how a good-looking woman like my wife would marry me, but I enjoy it. (laughs) I told someone one time, I said, the reason I married a good-looking woman was so my kids would have a chance. (laughs) I don't enjoy it, but I can tell you what I do know. It works. It works. 